And now we're going to open the Bible. Uh, if you would, turn to Acts chapter 11. And before I get there, um, did I skip some slides? No? No, talk, talk, talk. Yeah, we, we did that. I, didn't, I, I want you to see this um, picture that Brian sent me. Happy St. Patrick's Day, if that's something I could say. I don't even know. <laughs> it's turned into something that it probably wasn't originally. But on this, um, on this picture here that Brian sent me, I wanted to bring this to your attention. He told me this last night as we were setting up, and I thought, you know, I'd never seen that. So I looked, I looked into it a little bit, and this is actually a small part of a large prayer. This is actually probably the most popular part of the prayer, but it's put on his breastplate. He starts the prayer by saying, I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through the belief of the threeness, one, two, three, the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but St. Patrick, who had been hijacked by a pretty prominent religious institution, was actually a born-again Christian. We know this because we found his journal. And, th- and this is researchable, um, so don't just take my word for it, but a lot of research has been done into what really happened to this guy. And I'm not going to go out on a tangent, really, because if you know the story, it might be redundant. Uh, but suffice it to say, it's St. Patrick's Day. And let me just kind of bring some attention and glory to God through this little testimony. It, it has been said that he was um, kidnapped from his home in England and taken into slavery into Ireland. And as he was there, uh, he was made a slave by the Druids, which were in the Celts, which were the people of the Isle, of the Emerald Isle. Um, and he was there for many, many years. And when he, when he was older, much older, uh, he finally escaped. And when he uh, escaped, he went back to his um, native country in England where his dad was a deacon in a church. He was taught the gospel there, uh, raised up in his faith, and then he was so convinced that he, he wanted to be a missionary himself that he went back to Ireland simply to preach the gospel to the Celts, and I put this in quotes, the pagans, right, that, that held him uh, for so many years. And when he went back there, the reason why, and I'm glad we have this, good job on the decorations, um, when he went back there, he would use the three-leaf clover as a witnessing tool. Um, <laughs> I just grabbed one of these from the table. And so he, when he grabbed, not this one, um, a real one, but when he would grab uh, a three-leaf clover in witnessing opportunities, he'd ask the people that would listen to him, uh, how, many, you know, how many petals are, am I holding on this clover? And they said three, but how many clovers am I holding? And they'd say one. And so therefore, you got the great three-in-one as he would describe the Trinity to people, explain God's the great three-in-one. And so I find it fascinating that when you read statements such as this, uh, as it was his prayer, and then as he wore on a chest plate, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. But 
I think the great legacy of St. Patrick, and you could just call him, and you, you could say St. Jennifer, St. Jerry, uh, St. Norm, anyone that's a Christian is a saint. You, you understand that, right? Um, so, but St. Patrick, his testimony is pretty powerful when you think about his missionary zeal to go back to a people that m- mistreated him for so many years. Well, almost 400 years earlier, we're going to pick the story up in the book of Acts. See, there's only a short span between where we're going to be at in Acts chapter 11 and the actual event of St. Patrick. There's only a short period of time there, right? So what we see is that the gospel in its epicenter in Jerusalem was expanding and spreading and people were being uh, converted and they were uh, being convinced by the Holy Spirit uh, of the testimony of the disciples and missionaries that were sharing the great gospel and the great uh, message. So if you'll turn with me in Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Now those who were scattered after the that arose over Stephen, which happened in Acts chapter 7, as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists. And you might be saying, well, who were they? Well, they were uh, Jews who were immersed in the Greek culture, uh, they read the Septuagint, was the Greek translation of the Old Testament, and these were those that were scattered throughout uh, the former um, Greek Empire, and so they were steeped in that culture and language. So, but they were Jews. But they spoke to the Hellenists, and look at this, they were preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. The news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and so they sent Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. Now, Barnabas is an interesting guy. He was the missionary companion to the Apostle Paul for many of uh, their journeys. But I think his name is very fitting because his name means son of consolation. It means um, son of comfort, son of exhortation. And it's an idiomatic expression meaning When you say son of, the very next phrase is a descriptive word of who you are. Like if I were to say, um, Carrie is a son of light, right? The Bible calls us children of light. And there's other people that are called uh, sons or children of darkness. So that's a descriptive word. It's an identifier. Jesus is the son of God. When he was called the son of man, he came to identify Uh, with man, but he's also uh, fully God. (coughs) So Barnabas, the son of consolation, the son of comfort, when he came and he saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all with purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And remember when when someone came to Jesus um, and, and they asked who was good, Jesus replied, said, none is, no one's good but God alone. Meaning that if you're saying I'm good, you're also saying I'm God. But yet the Bible says that Barnabas was a good man. Well, pray tell, Bible, what makes Barnabas a good man? Well, the Bible says he was full of the Holy Spirit. So what makes Barnabas good 
is who he has, and he has the one who is good, God, living in and through him. And a great many people were added unto the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul, who uh, you know is the apostle Paul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. Uh, So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Isn't that interesting? That's where that phrase appears in the Bible. Now, whatever your take on that is, it might, might have been derogatory, but here's another way I want to look at this. So, Eric Dupree, right? Where is Eric? Right there. Uh, you might say, well, he's an electrician, right? And the suffix, Brian, you could correct me with my English, <laughs> The suffix being I-A-N, right? Electrician, if I take the suffix away, the I-A-N, you're left with electric. And Eric's like, yeah, I've got a shocking personality. I'm pretty electric. What are you talking about? But again, it's a descriptive word. Um, Is Wendy in here? Wendy and George? No? Okay. Uh, Wendy is a librarian, right? You take the suffix part away, she works in the library. How would you identify someone that works in the library? What do you think they do? Right? Books? Library? <laughs> someone might say boringness, uh, <laughs> Dewey Decimal, get me away from that place. Um, at least one of my kids says that. Um, if someone says, uh, like the Nunez family, you know, you'd say, man, the musicians, Right? Uh, you take away the I-A-N, what defines that sort of descriptive word? Music, right? So when you say Christian, and you take away the I-A-N, what describes or defines the people? Christ. Amen. So however you want to approach this, they were first called Christians, They weren't identified by what they were against. They weren't identified uh, by certain causes. They weren't identified by rules they kept. They were identified by the one that they believed in. They were identified by Christ. And that was the message they preached. In fact, I don't have time to develop this, but in Acts 8.35, Philip preached Christ. In Acts 3.20, Peter preached Christ. Um, In Acts chapter 7, the whole message of Stephen was that he was preaching Christ. In fact, in Acts chapter 6, the reason why they wanted to put Stephen on trial, you could hear more about what they said against Stephen in Acts chapter 6, which defined him. And then you hear all about what Stephen's for, which was the whole message of Christ. But they said, blasphemy, you're telling us not to, not to follow Moses, rather to follow Jesus. Uh, and so he was preaching Christ. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 20, uh, Paul started preaching Christ after he gets converted in Acts chapter 9. It's interesting that it says that he went straightway to the synagogue and preached to them Christ. Um, in Acts chapter 10, Peter 
now he's to the Gentiles, Cornelius, and then he preaches to them Christ, and they get saved, and they receive the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 11, he kind of repeats what he's going over there, and now we find Barnabas coming to, this, to these people, um, to the Hellenists, and then all of these people scattered abroad, but their message was that they preached Christ, and when they believed the message of Christ and they received it, Everyone seemed to identify them as Christians. Why? Because of who they believed, who they put their faith and trust in. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, um, I want to pray real brief, and then I just want to look at two points. And then in this talk, talk, talk format, I'm going to be really short right now, and I've spent a lot of the time that I wanted to spend I want to be really short and sweet because I want to leave the rest of the time uh, for uh, food and fellowship. You'll see that the, there's papers, um, and thanks, Dee, for printing these off. Uh, these are just kind of guidelines, questions that you could uh, table talk with. Um, and so when I'm done here in a little bit, I'm just going to say a prayer for the food. Everyone gets their food, come back to the table, and you know, take advantage of talking with the people that you're sitting with. And then also, too, uh, maybe, maybe recognize some people that aren't sitting at a table, like, or maybe some lone, poor soul that's sitting all by themselves. Find that straggler and sit with them or invite them over uh, to your table. But point number one, I said I was going to pray. Um, God, you, you know, right? We'll just go with this. Persecution, point number one on the thing. The persecution pushed and promoted the gospel. Now, those who were scattered after the persecution, and if you read in Acts chapter 8, this is very interesting, in Acts chapter 8, if you have your Bible, uh, verses, uh, so Stephen just preached, he was stoned. Acts chapter 8, verse 1, then Saul was consenting unto his death, and at the same time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, they were kind of all hunkered down in their comfort zone. That's where they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's where they wanted to stay. And I don't blame them. That's where their, uh, their family and their friends were. And maybe the people that came on the day of Pentecost that were from abroad, <clears throat> maybe they, a lot of those guys stayed too. However, this birth of the New Testament church was, God said in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. And they weren't doing that in the first eight chapters of the book of Acts, and that's not a, any, any dig on them. But you'll find in Acts chapter 8 that Saul was consenting unto the death of the Christians, and, or to Stephen, and then he was searching more uh, people that were preaching this Jesus, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles stayed back. And the devout, uh, and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. But as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house. This is the apostle Paul. Here's how zealous he was for God in the name of God against uh, Christians. Um, and he's hauling men and women and committing them to prison, the Bible says. Verse 4 of Acts chapter 8. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Preaching the word. So persecution made Acts chapter 1, verse 8, a reality. 
And because as we think about, you know, our theme for the year, which is look up, look in, look out, today I'm, I'm kind of focusing on the looking out part as far as these guys were sent out, and when they went, they were preaching the word, and as they were going, they were sharing Christ, and lives were being changed, and communities were being turned upside down simply because they had a message, and that message was Christ. So they went about preaching the word. Um, let's look at point number two. The Lord wants to add and immerse people into his love and life. Uh, it's mentioned a couple times. Of, I think um, verse 21 of where we were at in Acts chapter 11. The hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Uh, verse 24, uh, Barnabas was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and a great many people were added unto the Lord. And so you see that it's really God's desire to add people and to immerse people into his uh, life and love. And I really think that's the heartbeat of Christ. When we're yielded to him and we're walking uh, in his spirit uh, as we go about our lives, whatever it may be, it might be working with electricity, working with books, working with music, whatever we're doing as we're going about, we're where Jesus commissions the church and he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The word go means as you're going, as you're doing your life. Not all of us could pack everything up and go to Nepal, right? And so as you go to work and as you do what you're doing, uh, go with God because he's with you and he's in you and he wants to express his life through you to those around you. And so let's just keep this verse that's all too familiar but let's keep it in mind because John chapter 3, verse 16 says it this way. This is the heartbeat of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish or be separated from his life and love, but shall have everlasting life. For I love verse 17. For God didn't send his son into the world uh, to, attempt to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, might be reconciled, might be brought back into that uh, love relationship with God, which was his eternal purpose from the beginning anyways. He really wants to impart his life and love to each and every one that would receive him. Amen? Well, um, so as you just take these thoughts and as you look at the book of Acts uh, from a bird's eye point of view, Acts chapter 1, they're up in the upper room. They're waiting for the promise. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Boy, Peter preaches a powerful sermon filled with the Holy Spirit. People receive the Lord. Thousands get saved. Acts chapter 3, uh, more preaching. And 4 and 5, they're preaching so much and healing so much that the, that the Jewish culture is, is rattled. And so they, they didn't know what to do yet to put them in prison. Acts chapter 6, more people get saved in Acts chapter 4 and 5. Acts chapter 6, you see that they, they're, they're dealing with um, tables and ministry. So many people are getting saved. They need, they need deacons. They need help. They, the church is growing. And so they address that. And then they attack Stephen. And then Acts chapter 7, Stephen preaches this sermon. And they all get convicted because he preaches from the Old Testament, Christ. <clears throat> 
and then they stone him. Then Paul persecutes uh, the, the church in Acts chapter 8. They start being scattered abroad. And then Acts chapter 1, 8, they start going from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uh, and then to the uttermost parts, preaching the word. And then you see people being converted. <clears throat> and you see them turning from idols, from immorality, from a life that's apart from God. And they're turning from those things, and they're turning to the Lord. And their life has changed for all time and eternity. And so I just want you to take just that historical brief overview that brought us up to Acts chapter 11 and to think about, okay, looking up, looking in, but looking out to the community. When you, when you grab some food here in a minute and you look at some of these questions, it's all geared to get you to think, how could we impact our community? What can we do? What's, what motivates us? What, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to fill a box or are we trying to introduce people to Jesus and then bring them into the family so that we could have an expression of his life and love and an exchange, which is called fellowship, right? That's what he wants. So let's do this. Um, let's close by, or this part, and then we'll move on to the food and the fellowship. I want to do this. I want you, this is spontaneous, but I want you to stand up. It's like, no, not everyone. Only certain people. Stand up or don't stand up, um, and, and, and so it's going to go something like this. It's going to sound like a, an SA meeting, a Sandwich Anonymous meeting. <laughs> Hi, my name's Joe. I brought uh, Sloppy Joes today. Um, I hope you enjoy them. Hi, my name's so-and-so. So, uh, okay, I want you to stand up, introduce your name and your sandwich, and then, um, then I'll pick someone to pray, and then we'll pray, and we'll come back and grab your food and come back, and then we'll have some food and fellowship. Anyone? Anyone? All right. Um, I'm going to ask Brian, would you um, introduce your sandwich, and then, um, <laughs> and then would you pray for the food, and then we'll just kind of go get our food and then start the fellowship?